0: the sun Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the ultimate killjoy in the pinball hobby, Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm going to talk about how people are saying that I'm ruining the fun in the pinball hobby because I want more magic into these games. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about whether or not Canada is a hypocrite because I'm going after Jersey Jack pinball again because of play field issues again and I have a machine new in box. I'm going to talk about what I'm going to do with that. We're going to talk about Spooky Pinball and what you can expect from their new release. They're going to do a change this time with how they release this game. We're going to talk about those details. I'm going to talk about a Guns N' Roses topper which is ridiculously priced and whether or not we think that is worth it. And of course, I'm going to give you my opinions about The Mandalorian after watching the stream on Friday and Dwight telling us the game in Dwight fashion. We're going to talk about that. Now, before I do that, I want to thank those of you out there who are showing support for the show. And I mean it. After 583 podcasts about pinball and almost 3,000 listeners per episode, I think we have a total of over a little over 50 people who contribute to the show. So I want to thank the new contributors to Canada's Pinball Podcast, Lawrence Levine, thank you. I want to thank Russell Williams. I want to thank Royal Jack, Dan H., Jason Cummins. Frank D'Angelo, Nash Paradise, and also, this is these are my Patreon donators, but you can also donate to Canada's Pinball Podcast. I've actually made it easier now. You can go to PayPal and just make any donation at canadapinball at gmail.com as my PayPal address, and I want to thank Erica Musket, George H., Daniel Norton, Craig Young, and, of course, Justin Kelly, as you know, just sold his Tron LE for $25 dollars So Justin, thank you so much for your tiny contribution considering you just sold your game for $25,000. No, I love Justin. So let's get right into it. So let's start with the Mandalorian reveal. And once again, we saw Jack Danger, Brian Eddy, Dwight Sullivan, Mike Vinicor, and the Stern team reveal this game to the world Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And once again, we got what I consider to be one of the sloppiest and one of the most confusing ways to show people a game. And I keep saying this every time they do this, every time Stern Pinball allows Dwight to take the glass off the game and start explaining complex rule sets with his fingers in such a haphazard way. It's so confusing. We have no context about what the game is about yet. We have no context how you're supposed to journey through the game. And it's almost like he's looking at the playfield confused about where to start because I understand that Dwight is super passionate about the game. I understand that he's super excited to show us everything that's in the game, but he doesn't have like an agenda of how he wants to talk about one thing at a time. He needs to be more professional. This is the number one pinball company in the world and you are presenting to your buyers and to your potential buyers why they should be excited about this game. And for many of us out there, When we see this kind of presentation, it's sloppy, it's amateur hour, and it's utterly confusing, and it does little to excite or explain to anybody why this game is great. And I'm sorry, but they should be rehearsing this more. If Dwight walked into a room, and and this is what I do for a living, I sell clients on a creative idea and I explain to them with passion what the story is, how it works, and why they should be interested in the idea. And that is exactly what Dwight is trying to do. And he doesn't do it well. It's not even like, well, it's absolutely 30 minutes of Dwight just going all over the place and even spoiling a lot of the game for many of us out there. Do you really want to see the surprise and delight elements of this game for the first time by taking the glass off and hitting switches with a finger. Is that really what excites us about pinball? And I don't get it. And they still let him do it. Even George Gomez was like, this is Dwight's way. Why are they putting up with this? And I see people say, we need more passion like Dwight in pinball. And you know what? Ultimately, I'm never going to win this argument with people because, you know, at Apple, they've got a lot of passionate engineers that worked on the iPhone but they don't let those guys get up on stage and just fumble the entire launch, Steve Jobs would get up there and explain it and explain what the thing is about and explain how this is a game changer. Now, Brian Eddy should have done more of the talking because even Brian Eddy looked kind of like confused and worried about what Dwight was doing and showcasing the game that way. And when Brian talked, I got a better sense of what the game was about. And I just feel like the whole thing felt like they were just figuring it out as they were live. And I mean that. I don't think Jack Danger even played the game before. They had a handheld camera. And the whole thing just felt really, really sloppy. And I understand that 1,600-plus people were watching this stream. And ask yourselves this. If you stumbled upon this stream and you were a Twitch user and you walked into a room and you heard Dwight explaining the game this way, you would walk away so confused and you would turn it off right away. But again, Kinead is the bad guy. Kinead is the killjoy. I think what pains me, again, is this is what I do for a living. I get up in front of clients and I sell them on ideas and concepts. And there's a lot of exciting concepts in this game. It's just presented so poorly. I think they should get more professional with this. It's amateur hour and it's very sloppy. Okay, after the half hour of Dwight, we were able to see Jack Danger play the game and we saw more of the Mandalorian. And so one of the big questions going into this was Grogu. Was Grogu going to move? And was he going to like actually blink his eyes and move his hands? And we're going to talk more about the mechs in this game and my overall feeling about The Mandalorian. And nobody hyped this game more than Kaneda. And shouldn't I have hyped it? Let's start there for a minute. Why wouldn't I hype The Mandalorian pinball machine? It is one of the greatest TV shows going right now. It is one of the greatest Star Wars content pieces we've ever, ever seen. It brought a lot of people back into Star Wars. It course-corrected the Star Wars universe. So Brian Eddy making Mandalorian with Stern Pinball. Why wouldn't I expect there to be Mandalorian magic underneath the glass? Am I wrong for getting excited about pinball? And this is going to be one of my overall statements on this podcast is I think that a lot of people look at me and they call me stuff like hypocrite They call me stuff like I'm pumping and dumping these games. They're mad at me that I have high expectations for these products. They're mad at me that I want more magic in these games. I mean, I'm getting text messages from Ed Robertson being like, magic this, magic that. He's like, you shouldn't be focused on the magic. Really, that's where we're at. And Stern Pinball has so masterfully got all of you out there that are the Stern apologists. And you know who you are they have so incredibly well got so many people to lower their expectations about what you can get in a pinball machine in a magical sense, in a mechanical sense, and everything is now about flow and artwork and what's on the LCD. And as long as they hit those three areas with a good theme, You are not going to see a lot of mechanical magic in these games, and you all know that, and I'll talk more about that. So Brian Eddy says that Grogu grabs the ball. Does he grab the ball? The ball is frozen at his feet. He doesn't grab it. Now, all Grogu does in the show is use his force powers to grab things. So he doesn't grab the ball. Now, I'm going to go more into these mechs in a second. But before I do that, I want to say what I liked about the Mandalorian. Now, the game does have good flow. This is a fan layout. I mean, I thought it was going to be more like the shadow. I was absolutely wrong. It is another fan layout from Brian Eddy. Look at the shots. It's just one shot next to the next shot, all in a fan layout. And all of the shots look like they're three-fourths of the way up the playfield. It's essentially a two-flipper game. Even though you have the upper playfield with the two larger flippers, you're really just two flippers, fan layout, like eight shots going across a fan. I don't know how many total shots there are. So, of course, it's going to flow well. That, that is the easiest way to make a game flow well. So this game will flow well. So if you want a game that has good flow, check the box on that. Now, if you want a game with good assets, you've got the theme song to The Mandalorian. You've got all these clips from the show. So I think the theme integration from what I saw looked really good. It did. It looked really good. It looked really cool seeing HD footage of the show and all the different battles from the show up on that screen. Now, I didn't see a lot of callouts from other characters in the show, and I didn't even hear a lot of the Mandalorian speaking. And a lot of it was just, like, quick cuts of action scenes. And so here's my concern. Here's my concern. And I know, like, you pinball guys out there, there's always this battle between... Is a pinball machine supposed to tell a story and capture the story and the narrative of the show we love or the movie we love? Or is it supposed to be a great pinball experience that is inspired by those things? Now, I would argue the best games do both. Some games do one better than the other. So you have to decide which one you want. Ideally, we would get both. But the story to me of The Mandalorian is all about this bounty hunter. That's this powerful sort of weapon in the universe. And he unsuspectingly finds himself as a father figure who has to protect Grogu and Baby Yoda. And to me, that's the entire show. Like if you were to zoom out, it is that is what makes this show so powerful. Is this strong being has to now act like a father and nurture and protect This baby, but then he finds out that this baby actually has more powers than he even does with his force powers. And I love that dynamic of the show, where when you get into all these encounters on the show, there's always that element of who's going to protect who. Mandalorian is often protecting the child, but then every once in a while we run into a moment in which the Mandalorian himself is vulnerable and he needs protecting, and then the child sort of uses his Force powers and helps him out. I love that dynamic of the show. Now, I'm not sure there's any of that dynamic in this game because Grogu is just in the upper left corner as a doll and doesn't do anything. And I'm going to talk more about how I think his lack of Force powers in this game and the lack of creativity of using his Force powers in this game is one of the most uninspired usages of one of the most amazing creatures and most amazing characters in the Star Wars universe. And this is my overall indictment of how Stern approaches these themes creatively. And I'm going to get pretty strident on this because I think there's no excuse that they couldn't have got more creative with a character like Grogu. But that's the storyline, so we'll see if more and more of that comes out. I think this game will primarily be about Beskar and getting into battles, and that's fine, and that's absolutely fine. So I think the clips look really good. The display looked great. Randy Martinez's artwork looks phenomenal. This game looks great. I thought the light show was also very cool in this game. Very cool stuff going on with the light show. It's not full RGB LEDs, but Stern has upped its game with light shows. Some Stern games have horrible light shows, Batman 66. Some of them have really, really improved light shows, and I think Mandalorian is one of them. It is hard, though. It is hard to be impressed by light shows these days because when we see stuff like GNR light shows, and then you see stuff like this, it just, you know, I'm just not impressed by almost any light show anymore, but... If I had to choose a game that has a lot of fun light shows, absolutely. I mean, it is something that makes moments happen in pinball when the lights do amazing things. As far as the shots in the game, I I mean, I will say, like, I want to jump on it. I want to flip it. It does look like it's fun to shoot. And this is the other thing. I hear this all the time. Almost every single pinball machine is fun to shoot. And fun to shoot seems to be the fallback. But everybody who complains about Canada is like, if the game is fun and I'm having fun, why would you critique the game, Chris? Why do you find issues in games? Well, if every game is almost fun to shoot, and I mean that almost every single pinball experience on some level is fun. It's a toy. It's like it's enjoyable to go on almost any roller coaster. It just is. It's just more fun than walking, is going on a roller coaster. And a pinball machine is a lot like that. It's an experience where you will naturally have fun. But from there, if that's where we ended the argument like, is a game just fun? Is pinball playing fun? Then it would be so boring to be in this hobby, to be in this community, and to listen to pinball podcasts. I mean, there are plenty of other pinball podcasts out there that will tell you everything is awesome and everything is cool in the world of pinball. But let me talk about why, after seeing this game, after watching this show, after watching this show multiple times, here is why I think Stern Pinball just has an utter lack of creativity. And I don't mean like they need to have the most expensive bomb on planet Earth, but I look at this game, and I look at the Mandalorian theme, and I look at the three main toys in the game. You've got Grogu in the upper left corner where there's a magnet by his feet. That's the Herman Munster magnet that just uses the magnet to randomly throw the ball into different lanes to spell child. So you've got that. That's the use of Grogu. Then you've got the ship from the Mandalorian, the Razor Crest. And so much of the show is about getting onto the Razor Crest and getting off of a planet. So much happens on that Razor Crest. So we've got that. And that is represented with a Razor Crest toy that just has this target hanging off of it. You don't go into the Razor Crest. You don't lock balls in the Razor Crest. You just hit this target hanging off the side of it. And then the next major mech, which is arguably the most confusing way to create a battle arena for the Mandalorian. It is his helmet with targets on top of his head. What does that have to do with the Mandalorian show? Why am I being looked at as like this cranky podcaster? What does that have to do with the show? Let me tell you about what I would have done. Because one of the main elements of this show is Beskar steel, And one of the main elements of The Mandalorian is him getting blocks of Beskar as payment and then turning those in to armor and weaponry that he uses. And where does he go? Where does he go to turn his best scar into armor? He goes to the foundry. And in the show, the foundry is this really cool place that's underneath like the subway system where the other Mandalorian is there and it's like this this circular cauldron of fire. The Mandalorian gives the best and then the blue flames come shooting up and you put the best into that to create best scar like armor. Now you're telling me That when Brian Eddy and the engineers over there knew that they wanted to make Beskar a major part of this game, why isn't there a physical foundry where the ball goes into it, imagine the ball acts as the Beskar the ball goes into the foundry when the blue lights light up it means the foundry is heated and we can make Beskar armor that you shoot into that foundry, it becomes a pinball moment and the ball disappears slowly into it, like it's melting into the foundry and it goes underneath a subway and that's how you create more Beskar in the game wouldn't that be so much cooler so much more reflective of what's in the show, and wouldn't that create such a more magical pinball moment than the current way in which you shoot into the foundry, which is what? It's just a scoop with a vuck that's just there. It has absolutely nothing physical to do with the show itself. Okay, so that's one element of it. You already know how I feel about the razor crest. They should have made a razor crest in which the ramp comes down and you have to shoot the balls up into it Let's talk about another fun way you could have locked balls in this game. Like, where do you even lock balls in this game? I don't even think there's a physical ball lock in this game at all. Now, one of the cool elements of the Mandalorian in the TV show is when the Mandalorian catches his bounty, he also freezes them in carbonite, the way Han Solo got frozen in carbonite. So why didn't they have a way to freeze your pinballs in carbonite you know, until you're ready to unlock them for multiball. That could have been something cool they put into the game. Nope. We're just going to put this big Mandalorian helmet that's going to scream, put your money into this game. And I understand it. If I'm an operator, I love this game. This is an operator's dream come true because from 10 feet away, You know it's Mandalorian. You see that baby Yoda doll. You see that Mandalorian mask. So absolutely, I I can understand why operators love this game. But I'm not looking at it like that. I'm looking at it like, is Stern creating the ultimate world under glass for Mandalorian? And I don't think they are. Now let me end with Grogu. Let me end with Grogu because this is the part that's just like, are you kidding me? Because there was a lot of speculation before this stream. Is Grogu going to move? Will he? There were some media stories that said he interacts. Does he grab the ball like Brian Eddy said? Now, when I look at that Grogu area and I look at it, it's just a doll statically thrown into the game and how he uses his force powers is so lame It's so not what he does. Grogu grabs the ball with his hand in the show. He grabs things. He uses his Force powers. But here's the cooler part. They need to stop it being about only grabbing. The coolest use of the Force in The Mandalorian is also when they use the Force to freeze something. That is where the magic lies. The baby's hand goes up and he freezes like a charging monster. You know, when Kylo Ren freezes that laser blast in midair and you're telling me that Brian Eddy and all of the Stern engineers over there couldn't figure out a way to get baby Yoda and Grogu to freeze balls as they're moving and hover them over the playfield. I don't mean like off the wood, like the force is grabbing it and then throws it back at you. You're telling me they couldn't figure that out. And it is such a lazy way they put him into this game in the upper left corner to just randomly drop balls over lanes that spell child. How is that exciting? How is that a moment? Why are we accepting this stuff? Why am I always the bad guy that could sit in a conference room for 15 minutes and give the Stern engineers and Brian Eddy better ideas than this? The only conclusion I can make is that the Bally Williams engineers were the heroes of pinball, that they made these designers into rock stars. It wasn't the other way around. I am fully convinced by that, that these Stern engineers, they don't have what those guys did. They don't have the bomb, they don't have the resources, they don't have the support by Gary Stern and company to put more into these games. Why is it that if one of the main Mandalorian weapons is his sniper rifle, right? He uses that rifle all the time in the show. Why is it that the only place that thing is represented is on the side armor that you can buy as an accessory? Why is it that in ACDC, I have a cannon shot that could have easily been turned into a rifle shot by the Mandalorian? How much fun would that have been to have more of a physical firing of a pinball from his rifle in the game they couldn't design that instead we get this lazy upper play field that doesn't even look that much fun the ball keeps falling out of it has nothing to do with the show itself and here i am canada once again super excited about this big theme coming to us from stern pinball they pull the curtain off of it and what happens everyone forgets to dream everyone forgets to imagine what could be in these games and i'm not asking for physical impossibilities here we've seen you can do amazing force grab stuff in a game called dracula from like 30 years ago we've seen you can do amazing rifle shots from games like acdc or games like the walking dead crossbow i mean we've seen more amazing uses of the magnet too in like a ball save imagine if grogu saved your ball with the magnet in the middle like what is it alice cooper's nightmare castle has that spooky pinball has a more creative use of the magnet in both rick and morty and alice cooper's nightmare castle both of those magnet uses are so much cooler than stern pinballs the mandalorian and here we are saying the mandalorian is amazing it's so much fun i can't wait to get it and this is the thing stern has lowered all of your expectations not only that They've created such an environment of FOMO where because 750 people already bought the LEs, you want to see it being great. You are looking at it to justify your purchase. You're not looking at it objectively at all. And I asked the question on my Facebook Live yesterday and I said a very simple question. In the last five years, name me a mechanical wow thing you've seen in a Stern pinball machine. Uh, It was a very simple question. Name me one mechanical wow thing you've seen in a Stern pinball machine in the last five years. And name me one mechanical wow thing you see in the Mandalorian. Nobody said anything for Mandalorian. The only thing people point at, it's the only thing they point at, is the Jurassic Park T-Rex. And I will give them that. That thing is cool. But over the last five years, Stern has made how many games? And we're struggling... To identify one magical mechanical element in these games. Because they're making these games for tournament players. They're making these games for rule sets that appeal to the tournament players. And if you want a physical, mechanical, wow world under the glass, you don't get it. They don't want to put the money into it. Do you understand the reason why ACDC has so much in it? Do you want to know the truth behind this? Because Gary Stern didn't believe in full-featured games. And then he saw the response to Wizard of Oz. This is a true story. He saw the response to Wizard of Oz. He lifted the bomb on Steve Ritchie to do ACDC. And that's why ACDC is packed. And it sold so well. And it proved Gary Stern wrong. If you think that Gary Stern wants to put the most full-featured games under glass, you are absolutely wrong. And here's what really annoys me. Is so many people in this community, you're rooting for Stern to succeed on a business level as if you're investors in Stern Pinball. It's like you want them to make more money by charging more for these games and stripping stuff out of it. Why aren't more people expecting more in these games? Am I crazy? Am I crazy when I look at The Mandalorian and say, this is a lame way to creatively bring the things about this show we love. I mean, I'm listening to other pinball podcasts out there and people are buying Celts. People are buying and justifying Celts because of the build quality. This is where we're at. There's no more any expectations. There's no more dreamers. There's nobody imagining what could be possible in pinball. And I can't wait to more people do that. I want more dreamers. I want more people to imagine the possibilities. This is why we're so excited to hopefully see Godzilla from Keith Elwin because if there's anyone over at Stern, that can make silk out of the cotton they give them for the budget, it's Keith Elwin. Okay, so rant over on Mandalorian. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you buy the Mandalorian, do I think you're going to have fun? Yes. For most of you out there, that's all that matters. And here's the thing. Make up your own opinion about the game. Make up your own opinion about whether or not you want it. All the LEs are sold out. And I'm seeing LEs now sell for $13,000 to $14,000. Now, here's something else. And I was talking to Brenda about this this morning. I think that if you buy an LE for thirteen dollars or $14,000, and that's almost double the price of the premium, I think we are now at the point now, it's stupid. It's stupid. At $9,200, maybe. But the fact that they're selling at $13,000 to $14,000, I think is ludicrous. But it also shows where this hobby is going. And I am so happy not to be a part of it. I would not go in on these games at those prices. I would not spend that kind of money on these experiences. And I talked about this on my Facebook Live this weekend. Life is too short. Yesterday was Bubba's birthday. He would have been 11 years old. He was 150 bucks. And I mean it when I say this. Life is too short. These games do not provide $14,000 worth of entertainment. The amount of stuff you could do with this kind of money in the world is so much greater and so much more fulfilling than these games provide. And I'm not here to tell you how to spend your money. You do you, you do you. But I'll tell you this right now. If you took your family, and I said it on my Facebook Live, if you took your family to Japan or to Disney World or somewhere, those those, those shouldn't be the only two options. But we had so much fun in Japan and we were going through my phone the other night. Let me just talk a little bit on the side here. We were going through my phone the other night. Over five years of our lives and all the amazing places we've been, Santorini, Japan, Ireland, all the fun moments at birthday parties, traveling, seeing the world, going on experiences that fulfilled our lives and the most, the most amazing experience over all of those years was Bubba. He was a part of everything and he made everything so meaningful. You know, you go to get a piece of pizza and he's right by your feet trying to get it. Now I eat pizza and I'm bored because there's no Bubba trying to get my slice. And when you see these games for $14,000, dollars $15,000 and you think about the experience it's going to give you, it's never going to give you anywhere near that experience. And Stern doesn't want you to think this way, they want you to feel the FOMO. They want you to run after every new release. Distributors don't want you to feel this way, they want to sell you. They want to sell you on this enjoyment that is waiting right around the corner from these games. They want you to chase every new game. And I'm here to tell you, as a man who doesn't even have a pinball machine set up, when I went through my camera over the last five years, I had almost no videos about pinball. And I've played a lot of pinball over the last five years. I enjoy pinball at shows. I enjoy pinball at my friend's bars in New York City. I go over to my friends' places and play pinball. And when I can, I will put a few pinball machines in my home one day. But that's it. I don't need 15 or 20 or 30. There is diminishing returns on the enjoyment you get. What makes this hobby fun, what makes this hobby enjoyable is free. And I mean that. It's absolutely free. It's the people, it's the conversation, it's the excitement we feel with every new game that's about to come out. That is free. Following that is free. This podcast is free unless you donate, which you should. pinball at gmail.com and Pinball at Patreon. You should donate, but it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And I think sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't own games and he doesn't set up games and he doesn't operate games. I absolutely know what I'm talking about because you know it to be true. You're staring at your games right now. They are so much more fun when people come over, which they rarely do. It is so much more fun when you're at a pinball show and you're playing pinball with your friends and you're drinking whiskeys and you're up all night. Just chatting about pinball is so much more fun than playing it. I would rather sit around Ed Vanderveen's fire pit that he does, smoking cigars and shooting the shit about life. I would so much rather do that and speculate around whether or not Dennis Norman can ever get another game out. I would so much rather sit around, drink whiskey, and make fun of Deep Root with all of you instead of spending $14,000 on a Mandalorian experience that is the exact same as a premium. I mean, think about that for a minute. It's the exact same experience. There is nothing different. It would be like buying first-class tickets in which every first-class seat is blue, but one first-class seat is gold, and that gold ticket is twice as much money. You're on the same plane, having the same experience, getting the same food, same drink, same hostesses, same everything, but you're gonna pay twice as much because you got the gold seat. And that's all the L.E.s are. Stern does nothing to make them different on any level. There's no modes that are unique, there's no mechs that are unique, you don't even get a topper, you don't get much. And that's fine, at 9,200 bucks, fine. Maybe you spend a couple thousand more for bragging rights. But people are spending 13 dollars dollars $15,000 for these games. And I'm here to tell you it's stupid. I wouldn't do it. Do what you want with your money. But I think it's stupid. The other thing I want to address real quick is Jersey Jack Pinball. So Jersey Jack Pinball needs to say something. They can't go into radio silence. They can't hide. There are too many pictures of these Guns N' Roses machines falling apart right now. So I look forward to seeing their response to this. And so does everybody else, because people are not going to brush this under the carpet. Someone called me a hypocrite. They said, Chris, you're a hypocrite because you have a new inbox Guns N' Roses collector's edition. And you're telling people now to stop buying Jersey Jack games until they fix the problem. And you're not returning your collector's edition, which makes you a hypocrite. And I wanted to say to those people on Pinside who are saying this, are you okay in the head? Do you understand what the definition of hypocrisy is? How did I know that there were going to be play field issues on my collector's edition? When I bought my collector's edition, first and foremost, when all the collector's editions sold, nobody knew that there would be play field issues with GNR. We all expected them to have fixed the problem after Willy Wonka, okay? But when I bought my GNR CE, I expected the quality to be fixed. Now that I know that my game could be a ticking time bomb. Now that I know that my game could have issues, what should I do? I don't want to sell my game. I love Guns N' Roses. I love this machine. The quality of the play field does not take away from the game being a masterpiece. I'm not a hypocrite because I'm not saying, oh, take my money back. I am demanding for all of you and for me a solution from Jersey Jack Pinball. That is the crusade I am on now. But here's the thing. If all of us knew that these play were going to disintegrate before we ordered Guns N' Roses, absolutely we all would have been much more cautious about going in on these purchases. And my point of telling people to stop ordering games today is that now you know your game could be problematic. So why would you buy a game today? Why would you lock in your money today when you have to wait months to get it and you don't know they've solved the problem. That's not me being a hypocrite. That's called me looking out for people, which you're not going to get from everybody else in the pinball media. Watch. Go listen to their shows. They're not talking about this. They don't care. They don't care. They don't want to burn their relationships with these people. They are going to tell you it's not a big deal. They're going to tell you like, well, I guess you're just going to have to have fun and, and, and ignore it. So let's see. Again, I put, I put the onus on the other pinball media out there to not brush this under the carpet. This should be front page news on This Week in Pinball. And Jeff should be reaching out to the folks over at Jersey Jack Pinball and get an answer and an official response from them. But until then, it's radio silence. But I'm not a hypocrite. Well, speaking of Jersey Jack Pinball, Leor the art of pinball, has a Guns N' Roses topper that he is calling the most advanced topper to date in the history of the universe. It has a skeleton that looks like Axel with a guitar behind him where the neck is way too short. It looks like a ukulele and it has uh, some sculpted guns and roses and it's uh, supposedly going to do all sorts of things. So much stuff that it comes with its own computer system and it's going to have a light show and who knows what else. Maybe smoke. I don't even know what it has. But here's the crazy part. This topper for Guns and Roses from Lior is going to cost, I heard, $2,000. $2,000 for a topper. Now I saw his post on Pinside and here's the thing. Lior makes great work, we all know he does. But $2,000 toppers is pretty stupid. It's stupid, it's just like too much. Now, look, it's your money again. You can do what you want with it. But here's the other part. And I told this to and This is why I don't like his business practices right now. He says he's going to make 100 or 150 of them. I don't like that. I don't like what you're doing. If you're going to sell a $2,000 topper, why are you saying it's either going to be 100 or 150? To me, that is really shady business practices. Which one is it? Because I think what he's doing now is like he's trying, he's trying to sort of gauge what the market reaction will be. You have to set the number beforehand. He's basically opening a door where like if 100 sell right away, he's then going to go say, well, it's, it's now 150. And now maybe those people bought it because they thought there were only going to be 100. So Lior, I'm here to tell you right now, I know you listen to the show. You know I'm a fan of your work, but this is not how you do it you can't keep it loosey-goosey. Is it 100 or 150? And you need to confirm that for people before you open up the order banks. I think it's shady if you do it the other way because you know what you're trying to do. If people flock to it, then you're gonna try to make another 50 at $2,000 a pop. Just do the math in your head, people, how much money he stands to make with just this topper alone. He's going to make more money off of one topper probably than like Eric Minier makes all year making the entire game. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of cheddar. But stop with the wishy-washy marketing, man. It's not how you do business. I asked Brenda, what else should I talk about? And she says, it's a beautiful day. Everyone should stop listening to your podcast. Get outside and enjoy life. I can't think of a better use of time than that, really. Why is anybody still listening to this show, right? You know, Brenda, people are starting to say, like, I'm not listening to him anymore. He's taking the fun out of pinball. Do you believe them, Brenda? I I love that all the people that say they're not listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast anymore, guess what they're doing right now? They're listening. I want to congratulate Marty Robbins is going to be a designer for Haggis Pinball. Internal designer over at Haggis. And 106 Celts apparently have sold. That's a lot of alcohol that must be being consumed over there in Australia. But congratulations, Marty. We look forward to seeing what you design. Now, here's the thing. Now it gets even harder and harder and harder for some of these pinball personalities to objectively talk about these companies. I mean, I want to hear Jeff Teola's take on Deep Root. Jeff, come on, man. I know your voice is in Raza. But you don't hear these guys talking about these companies because they're part of these companies products guess who's not in any pinball machine canada guess who doesn't get asked to be in any pinball machines canada you know i'm still surprised that no one has put an f canada as a call out like hidden somewhere in a game that would be like the dream of mine where where i just get cursed out by a machine if someone can do that if you're listening spooky pinball do that please, be like, screw Canada. Just do it, as a random call out. All right, I'm gonna end this show with a Spooky Pinball update. You haven't heard this before, but this is a rumor I'm hearing about Spooky Pinball's next title. Now, all right, rumor about Spooky Pinball, love this. So I think it's Halloween, I'm not sure. I think they're using that artwork to throw us off, but we will find out. I might be right, I might be wrong, but Halloween is my guess. But here is another thing that I'm hearing will happen. Now, if you're Spooky, you're seeing the way games are selling. And you're seeing the most effective way to sell games and to create FOMO and to get people to spend the most amount of money on a game. What do you do? You offer a limited version of the game. You offer an LE or you offer a collector's edition. And then you offer another version of the game or two for people to choose from. So I'm hearing that Spooky Pinball... Over in Benton, Wisconsin, their next title, they will make 1,000 of them. But here is what they are going to do to create FOMO, to create demand. Spooky Pinball will be going to a three-tiered model on the next game itself. You are going to get a collector's edition, a whatever next edition, and then maybe a standard edition of the game. So get ready. Get ready now to have to chase after your spooky distributor to get on the list for the collector's version of the game. Now, it only makes sense for them to do this. It makes absolute sense for them to do this. You know, in a weird way, though, I don't think Spooky's the kind of company that wants to deal with this. Because with Rick and Morty, nobody felt like they got a lesser version of the game you got the option to fill out your option list and put everything you wanted onto your game. I know why they're doing this, and they might be nervous that this theme is not going to be a buy-it-now kind of theme like Rick and Morty, but I also think Spooky is not the company that wants people to feel like they missed out on getting the collector's edition. So I'm curious to see if they go through with this after hearing my podcast, because I do think it's going to make people feel like bummed out Let's say they say they're only going to make 200 or 250 collector's editions of the next game. But what if like 400 people want it? I don't know. I don't know if they want to go down this road. I always felt like part of the appeal of Spooky is they didn't play those games. They didn't try to create that kind of FOMO. They don't want to be the company that like makes people feel like they missed out on something. They always wanted it to be fair, where if you got a spot, you could option your game out to be as nice as you wanted it, and that was that. So let's see if they go down the road of the Stern model now, and look, it will make them more money, no doubt. If they make 250 of these with butter cabinets and they charge, like, what are they going to charge though, right? $10,000 for a spooky game sounds crazy, but this is where we're at. This is where we're at. But you know who's not crazy? Canada's Pinball Podcast, the number one favorite pinball podcast on the planet. I'm not taking the fun out of pinball. It's fun listening to this show. If you think this is a killjoy show, guess what? You don't have to listen. There are so many other pinball podcasts that are out there. We're not taking the fun out of pinball. It wouldn't be fun if we looked at all these new releases and just cheerlead it like Bill Brandis and Joe Abate. I'm calling you out, boys. I'm calling you out, Joe. You're a great guy. Bill, you're a great guy. But, Bill, we all can't be like you, Bill. We don't have your money. We can't buy five games for our five different houses. And how are you getting so many LEs? Somebody look into that. Bye. Sometimes you gotta fight when you're a man. Everyone considered him the coward of the county.